Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. back to bird's eye view when it comes to the orioles this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and basis opinion today is september 28th 2015 coming down the home stretch with episode 141 i am scott magnus and i'm here with my my big boy my color commentator my cleanup hitter steve clevenger i mean jake english uh, you can find us over at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com where you should be checking out our constant blog post and podcast on the uh, unending activity of the Baltimore Orioles. You should also check us out in Baltimore Sports Report. Uh, you can also check out their daily podcast, Baltimore Sports Today, with Zach Wilt and Jebby Burns. Check out various third-party applications such as Stitcher, Miro, Double Twist, and that Apple product known as iTunes until MLB decides to shut us down. And if you get a chance, please give us a review because maybe, just maybe, that'll prevent higher powers from saying, you know what, we don't want to, you know, get on this many fans' bad side. Oh, who am I kidding? Uh, follow us on social media at facebook.com slash BEVcast and on Twitter with at Birds I View B A L. With that, let's pop over and figure out what we're drinking to soothe our sorrows. Jake, what's your drink of the week? My drink of the week is a tall glass of water. I, um, I'm i not sure that I trust how this season would end the way it's going now with anything else. We're just going to take it easy as we uh, as we ease into this end of the season. What about you? Jake, I'm going with a dogfish head pumpkin ale. Um, but Jake, next week, we're going to do something special. It'll be the end of the season. We're going to top this season off with some epic drinks of the week. I'm, I'm both excited and terrified all at the same time. So, folks, tune in next week for what epic drink Scott will concoct to force J- down Jake's throat. Yeesh. With that, let's dive into 140 characters or less for this week on the Twitters. This week on the Twitters, it's been an exciting week on t- on Twitter, if nowhere else. Uh, let's start with a tweet from uh, Dan Weigel, who tweets at Dan Weigel thirty eight. Lost in the Papabon madness is the fact that the Orioles were shut out of a series facing Rich Hill, Craig Breslow, and Henry Owens. Hashtag Red Sox. Those are, uh, those are some impressive names. Next tweet. This is not a good enough reason to watch right now. And this is on Orioles on Masson. You can follow Masson at Masson Orioles. Britain, we don't want anybody celebrating on our field. And that's the mindset we're taking into this homestand. Woo! It's the magic of Orioles baseball. Yeah. Feel it happen. Uh, Birdland, look, can we stop booing this guy right now? He's got enough on his plate. This is a tweet, of course, about uh, a recent news uh, story. This comes from Jesse Spector, who tweets at uh, Jesse Spector. I don't care what he said. You don't touch someone like that. And that's a quote, of course, from a kindergarten teacher, outmanaging Matt Williams. Yeah. So how's it been going this weekend, Orioles fans? 
This comes from Eduardo Encina. You can follow him at Eddie in the Yard. Hashtag Orioles lose finale in Boston 2 nothing. First time they've been shut out three straight games since July 29th through the 31st, 1957. Scoreless in the last 28 innings. Now, look at it another way, though, Scott. And this this insight comes from Rockabaco, who tweets, of course, at Mass and Rock. Hashtag Orioles swept at Fenway for the first time since July 7th through 10th, 2011. Must go 6-1 and one this week just to finish above 500. And with that, we've got a next week comes into the category, and we're going to finalize Twitter with this because this is probably one of the best ones I've seen on Twitter this entire season. This comes from Jonathan French. You can follow him at jtreya81. He also writes for Utah Street Report. Firing Showalter and reuniting Jason Veritek with Duquette would be an excellent move for the hashtag Orioles this offseason. I think this dude just won Twitter. Is there another uh, use of the word excellent that I am not familiar with? Uh, that's a possibility that I'm not aware of, but um, uh, I, I don't even know how to respond to this. Uh, although I think uh, one of the responses um, from one of our friends over on the Blue Jays podcast made it perfectly well. Um, his tweet was, you know, it's obvious based off of this past year that former player managers always do well. Oh, absolutely. I think, though, that... Hashtag Matt Williams, hashtag Brad Ausmus. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. I do think that there is a proper way to respond. Hashtag Robin Ventura. (laughs) (laughs) Just just going to keep going through the ones that... Potentially. (laughs) Hashtag Aussie game. (laughs) The best way to respond, of course, is to pull out the whole roll of tinfoil. Yeah. Construct yourself a fortress Mm. and then a hat for you to sit in the fortress well if we're going to go into conspiracy theories i think we need to go full-blown and there was a conspiracy theory brought up kind of in a light-hearted fashion i'd like to go and talk about that conspiracy theory now with the author Jake, there's been a lot of stupid things being posted recently on Twitter, on Facebook, discussing the whole, well, the whole drama situation that's been kind of going on in the front office at the warehouse, um, especially with the whole situation of Dan Duquette and Buckshaw Walter, apparently just generally not getting along um, with the whole situation. Um, that indicated, the, you know, the one Twitter post that we had, but there's been people calling for Duquette's head. There's been people calling for Showalter's head. We're not here to point fingers of which one is to blame. Well, maybe not right now. We're not ready to point fingers. But there was an interesting post on Camden Chat uh, from Alex Conway. And we invited him over to share some conspiracy theories regarding who may be the next general manager of the Baltimore Orioles. Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. How's it going tonight? Uh, it's going okay. Um, we are in a losing slump, and um, you know we're probably going to not finish above five hundred. But besides that, we're doing great as Orioles fans, just like you're probably doing great. Um, but what we wanted to talk to you about was your article on Cannon Chat, and was your conspiracy theory about Brady Anderson being the yeah. next GM of the Baltimore Orioles. So 
break it down for us briefly um, for those that haven't read the article about why you decided to write this article and why you think Brady Anderson may be the next GM. Well, first I decided to write the article because I didn't want to focus on the on the field team. That's understandable. Obvious reasons. (laughs) Um, And then I guess for a a while now, I guess I've noticed sort of uh, Brady Anderson's sort of rise in the organization and his duties. Um, I guess when he first started in like right before 2012 as a special assistant, he had been doing, and even the year before a little, but he got the official title in 2012. He, he was doing like workouts in the West coast for guys, helping guys rehab. But then uh, he was promoted in 2013 to essentially the second in command for the baseball operations. Um, he's listed right under Dan Duquette on the Orioles website. Um, you know, and he was, involved in the hiring process for the hitting coach this off season. He's been, according to, you know, reports by people on mass and he's been involved in, uh, player personnel questions and acquisitions and stuff like that. So it just seems like he's a budding star in the organization. seems like Peter Angelos likes him enough. And if, you know, the strife in the front office is, too big and too hard to handle and someone has to go and you wanted some continuity for what have been three to four successful seasons in a row, you know, maybe Brady Anderson makes some sense. So that's really where the the theory bore out. Sure. And, you know, you mentioned in your article too about multiple reports coming out with that strike that's in the warehouse. Um, The one thing that I, I totally agree with you is it's been interesting to see how Brady has transitioned into this role. I know when he was first hired as vice president for Bay Restore Operations, I was just like, all right, that's a nice little gig just to kind of give him a role to, you know, kind of work out. But at this last fan fest, this last offseason, it was interesting that after all that controversy with Duquette and going to Toronto, that Brady was brought up during the first forum with Buck and Dan. That was the first time ever that Brady had been up there to start uh, a fan forum with both Buck and Dan. And it was like, wow, if, he, if Brady's up there, that's a pretty interesting scenario. Maybe they didn't want to you know, have Dan field so many questions. But it was a very interesting move for the Orioles to kind of push Brady to the forefront and well, not to mention, as my wife said, gives my candy for the ladies as well. Yeah, but he wasn't just—he wasn't just a mascot. I mean, he was part of the leadership team in the yeah. way it was presented. No, he, he answered a lot of questions, and um, you know, as Alex pointed out too in his article, Brady has been out there a lot this year in terms of talking to the media and even talking to Fangraphs this year about use of statistics and use of scouting. So Brady is doing everything in his power to get his name out there and really kind of be a face for this front office, which, in all honesty, the less we need to see of Dan Duquette's face and his blue polo, <laughs> the better off we normally are. Yeah. Now, I mean, Duquette is classically, I mean, that was probably his main issue in Boston, is just a fail failure to communicate correctly with the media or anyone else, which you can see in his mass and appearances, in which he appears to be the most uncomfortable person ever on live television. Yeah, it's um, socially awkward is a is a great way to describe it, but I don't even sure if yeah. socially awkward goes along enough to describe him so well. I'm certainly not. He's not the worst GM in terms of um, personality and stuff like that, but he just comes off as man. That guy's making that much money to be you know an ambassador and a face for the organization, and that's how he looks. I mean, it's actually kind of comical given consideration of if he would have gone to Toronto and been the vice president he would have essentially worked for Rogers Media. And it's amazing that he, as an individual, yeah. would want to work for a media company based off of 
his inability and desire to talk to the media. Now, Alex, I was I was interested in your article. I, I have been pleasantly surprised by Brady Anderson at every step because much like I'm sure everybody else when he was hired, it's like, oh, well, that's cute. Um, and then he, you know, he was working out with guys. And I was like, okay, fine. And I know you have a special heart for him working out with Brian Mattis. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but he, um, I, I think, I think he's proven himself to be very thoughtful, very well spoken. Uh, obviously, a very intelligent guy. A guy who is more in tune with the game of baseball than I, I think I realized as a casual fan. Um, so, like I said, every step of the way, uh, I've been very pleasantly surprised with him. But do you think that, given all of that, he's GM material? Yes, yeah, yes, I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is he was I just kind of thought he would be a logical candidate, but I'm not sure if he's the best candidate out there. I mean, if you if you think about the job of a GM, I mean, he at least he's been in baseball a long time. He's been working for the Orioles the past couple of years. I'm sure he has a lot of contacts and sort of one of the things you do as a GM is just hire smart people around you. And like you guys said, you know, you're the face and you're the one that talks to the media, but you know, if you you hire the scouts, you hire the scouting director, you hire you know the pitching and hitting coaches for every uh, all the teams and in the organization. And if Brady would seem like someone that would possibly have good connections to have bring in his buddies and stuff like that, and you know maybe his relationship with Angelos being what I would think is a positive one at this point due to his promotions, maybe that makes him it a little easier for him than it does for someone come from outside the organization. So, I mean, if he was, if tomorrow he was named the GM of the team, I don't think it would necessarily be a bad thing from what I know right now. Well, he must be very good at saying yes, Mr. Angelos at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The the, the, one good place to start. The one minor gripe, it wasn't so much a gripe, it was about the article. And, you know, you mentioned your best guess in terms of how the front office might be reshuffled in the future. And you mentioned that Duquette perhaps could slide into the executive vice president. John P. Angelos would take the place at the top of the organization. Um, but, you know, with all the situation of Buck not wanting maybe Duquette to have more power and maybe Buck wanting more of the power, you know, do you actually think that's going to happen? Or do you think, like you said at the end of your article, where you think, you know, they're just going to ride it out to 2018 and just see what happens? Yeah, I don't know. It- one that would take, again, Peter Angelus stepping down from something, anything, which doesn't seem like something he's inclined to do. And if the problem really is Buck and Duquette sort of bashing heads over who gets control over the roster, yeah, I'm not sure how much that solves the um, the issue. I don't know if they just inflate everyone's titles a bit and they can sort of squeeze Duquette out of it just by making him president of blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, the the titles and stuff in baseball have only gotten more insane over the last years. Yeah. But, um, my, yeah, if, if you read that Ken Rosenthal piece at the end, he basically says, you know, something similar where it's, they're probably not going to get fired because they both have essentially whatever two, three years left. Um, well, I mean, just kind of have to probably make it work and it's probably just going to involve, I would think someone's going to get in the front office. There's going to be reassignments or firings or, well, there, there was a really interesting move that I thought happened this week. And the Red Sox went out and hired former Braves GM Frank Wren and named him as a vice president. And I was just like, what the heck are the Red Sox doing going out and getting Frank Wren? For anybody that's a baseball fan, you can look at Frank Wren and look at how he managed the Braves into the ground and be like, that's an absolutely horrible move. 
But when you look deeper at it, and he was you know named a senior vice president, you looked at that rest of that hierarchy of the organization. It was less like, yeah, he got named as a senior vice president, but he's so low in the totem pole now compared to everybody else that you know a vice president was just a shiny name to give somebody in Basically. order to get them out of their way. My question would be, you know, from you know Duquette. Can they keep him in a vice president role, but basically put him out to pasture and be like, yeah, you're still in the organization and we're not going to let you leave, but we're going to put you in such a position that you have no impact on this team moving forward? I guess it's possible. I think that would be, uh, I mean, that would kind of be what sort of, I guess the Dodgers did with Ned Coletti, right? So they sort of just said, you're the special assistant to the owner or whatever now. The minister of silly um, walks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, but I mean, I think, I think it would be kind of un, unprecedented for, to, cause they did that for Andrew Friedman. Yeah. You know, they didn't do it for Brady Anderson. <laughs> um, maybe they should treat it like Thunderdome, you know, two go in, uh, one yeah. come out and we find out who, who makes it. Or, or maybe, you know, they need to make uh, a lot of money in order to be able to pay for free agents in the offseason and uh, film a reality show of the Orioles' front office, the trials, the tribulation, the drama, the conflict. And with that extra revenue source, they could go out and buy a middling reliever. I like it. That seems like something that Masson Productions is up to do. <laughs> Look, Masson is looking for anything they can. You know, rodeo bullfighting only goes for so long during the offseason. Re- replays of rodeo. Yes, yeah, so that's right. Replays of rodeo. Um, I, I guess my my next question, and it comes back to, you know, going into this offseason is when does a decision like this have to be made? The big issue that I had going into the last offseason was when Toronto came and was, you know, coming for Dan Duquette, it happened right before the winter meetings. You would have to think the Orioles are going to have to move sooner rather than later in this regard, and they can't have this ambiguity in the front office of who's in charge is a buck or who's in charge is a Duquette. When do you think the Orioles have to be, you know, come out and say something in order for free agents and also this offseason actually be a success? So my my guess is if all the reported internal strife is is happening as those conversations are going on right now but you're likely to see something sort of post regular season maybe a week or two right around in the playoffs no big announcements cuz major league baseball doesn't like the big announcements during the playoffs but um something like that and then before before free agency starts i would think that most of the organization should be set um from player development people uh, scouting people, all the that's, and you know the, the upper level executive should be set before you go into free agency. Um, having that turmoil and stuff, I mean, that hurt them when they were hiring Duquette and whatever twenty eleven too, and it hurt them last year with when he was on the plane to the winter meetings yeah. and all those rumors broke. No, I mean, I think that the off season was a roaring success, as was the season. Yeah, you, you yeah. I know you enjoyed the aspect of offering arbitration to Brian Mattis last off season uh, when that was going on. <laughs> All right, I got two more questions for you, Alex, and then we'll let you get going. The first question is, you may remember that during the 2013 winter meetings, a fan went up to Brady Anderson and challenged him to a foot race. My question to you, Alex, (laughs) is if you challenge Brady Anderson to a foot race, do you think you could beat him? And if you couldn't beat him, how how, how well would he beat you? Would he beat you like by 20 yards, by 30 yards, or would you keep it pretty close? 
Uh, he would he would beat me easily. I'm sure. <laughs> I've never been fast, and he's always been fast. <laughs> I don't think I'd win if he had one leg. I think he'd still beat me. You're selling yourself short. He's he's never blogged about the team. I, I, <laughs> That's fair. And I've got a suggestion for you. If you ever go into a foot race with him, and you just want to get him, hand him a mirror right before you have the foot race, <laughs> and then you got it. Okay, you're in good shape at that point. Yeah. Now, are we or a spray on tan booth? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> now are we talking about brady anderson here because he is the number two guy in the the baseball ops post or are we talking about him because he is a beloved former player a guy who's still a member of the organization are we talking about brady anderson as being a part of the future in the way that some fans are talking about cal ripken managing because that's just a thing that you say when when a former player is involved i think it's i mean i think it's a little bit of both probably I mean, he's got the name recognition. Like you said, he's a beloved former player. But I think that he's clearly attempting to learn to be- try to learn to become a GM. I don't think a former player like him would be doing this kind of job and this level work if he didn't take the executive level stuff seriously, if he didn't want to continue to do it. So I think, like you said, like there's definitely something to the nostalgia and – you know, being a decent PR move or something like that for the team. But if he has the chops to do it and wants to do it, why not? All right. We end every single interview with the most important question of all. And you got to have a choice. It can't be both. It can't be. There's you no know, weaseling out. There's no weaseling out of this. But this has to be either yes or no for one or the other. So, Alex, are you a Beatles or are you a Rolling Stones guy? I'll I'll take the Rolling Stones. Well, and we're I, done here, Alex. <laughs> it was nice to talk to you, um, Alex. Uh, um, what do you have coming on at Camden Chat in the near future? Um, well, I know the site as a whole coming up uh, after the season. We'll start doing our daily player reviews, and otherwise, you can find me every Monday morning at nine a.m. I'm the guy that's on Camden Chat. Great. So if you want to read more articles from Alex, check him out at Camden Chat. He's got a weekly article on Monday. Also, I highly recommend checking out Alex on Twitter at Alex Conway CC. Alex, we're sorry for your unfortunate choice of music, but we appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, guys. Scotty, it's um, I feel like it's been a little while since the Orioles won. Like, do you remember what that feels like? Yeah, it was last week during the Nationals game, yeah. Nationals series. Yeah, yeah. But there's been a lot of talk about one particular win recently, and that is the win that the Orioles closed out the the 2011 season with. This, I'm sure everyone remembers, it's the game in which the Orioles played a role in knocking the Red Sox out of the playoffs. Uh, Robert Andino, R- Nolan Rymold. Carl Crawford, you know, all the great Oriole heroes, um, winning a game, everybody getting excited, excited, and then that, you know, leading us into the 2012 magic that, that uh, followed. I have a confession to make. Yeah. I hate the attention that this game has gotten. I really hate it, too. I hate it. Yeah. 
You can even also kind of sense a sense of snark on terms of the announcers are like the Orioles are coming out and they're celebrating like they won the pennant. And it's like, yeah. uh, but a real team, but a real team would be gets to win a the real pennant. pennant. Right, yeah. right. And it, you know, to a certain regard, it makes that kind of go away with 2014. Mm-hmm. But when people come back and say that was the turning point, it's like, well, not really. The turning point was 2012 and actually putting together a historic run with, you know, an amazing extra innings streak and, you know, just a great series of, you know, Manny Machado coming up and basically being a linchpin of that team in 2012. But Robert Andino, not really a hero. And don't get me wrong. I love me some beating the Red Sox. I would have loved to have seen it uh, this week. And the thing is, is that even when they're meaningless games, and I have watched a lot of meaningless meaningless games, games, even when it's a meaningless game, it's always good to beat the Red Sox. But I feel like there are some out there in this glorification of of this this last game of the 2011 season that kind of buys into the fact that the Orioles were nothing more than a footnote of history. Yeah, I think that to a certain regard, um, they're looking for something to hang their hat on when there's nothing else to hang their hat on. Yeah, I mean, it, and this is this is terrible. You know, I I used to joke that uh, you know the Orioles and I had an abusive relationship, and no matter what happened, I just kept going back, kept going back. I don't like that so much anymore because it's it's but, a little dark. Yeah, it's a little, little topical for Baltimore sports. But I tell you what, <laughs> it is a little bit like Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, with the Orioles fans celebrating the only thing that they've been given to celebrate with this you know formerly terrible team that we had. Why would we be celebrating our kind of sort of association with an important important moment in baseball for somebody else yeah. and another fan base? So in 2015, all we have to look forward to is somewhat of another footnote or being that highlight reel for another team for when, somebody they cl- else. when they clinch their pennant. Um, but the biggest source of pride that I would say, and this is what we've been talking on the podcast, is for the birds to go six and one, avoid finishing below 500 for the first time in four seasons, and again, putting together four winning seasons which would be really big and again doing it against al east both the blue jays and the yankees would be nice um and again can hopefully avoid having the blue jays celebrate their own clinch miss at Camden yards which would be uh a disaster in my opinion um now do you see that happening do you think the orioles can possibly go six and one against the blue jays and the yankees i don't see it and the other thing is with the blue jays up by four games um i certainly think that the Blue Jays have a very good chance of uh, celebrating their clinch miss at Camden Yards. Do you think it helps the Orioles' case that the Blue Jays really have nothing to play for at this point? Oh, the Blue Jays have a lot to play for. Uh, number one, they're tied with the Royals now, right now, for best record in the American League. So they're going for home field advantage throughout all the playoffs, which, you know... Including seen, the World Series. Right. We saw last year that that didn't really mean anything because the Orioles had home field advantage during the ALCS, and obviously that meant nothing to them. 2014 ALCS? I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, I'm aware. Um, but the, the Blue Jays have plenty to play for, not to mention... It would be pretty nice to rub it in the Orioles' faces because that's what the Orioles did to them last year and, you know, got their clinch miss then. Um, Not to mention the Blue Jays came back the very next night and tried to throw at people, but that's another topic for another day. Um, But maybe also... But they're the victims. Yeah. But maybe also the Orioles can, you know, serve something up to the Yankees this weekend in terms of playoff seating or, you know, just giving them just a, a bad time. But overall... It's going to be a pretty 
ugly, depressing week of Orioles baseball. Sorry. It's just going to be. I I could very well see them getting swept out of both series. Yeah. I mean, if the team that showed up to Boston comes home uh, to Camden Yards, it could be a pretty miserable uh, season. Here's hoping that they get to 500. I think that 500 would just be, you know, I'd be over the moon if the Orioles managed to uh, to avoid that. But the big thing is, if the Orioles prevent clinchmas on the Blue Jays or they somehow keep the Yankees out of the second wild card spot, there can't be this giant celebration. And I don't think there would be like it was in 2011 because that was actually for a playoff spot. And there's no way that you're knocking the Jays or the Yankees out of a playoff spot at this time. Yeah, the only thing that they can hope for with the Yankees, I guess, is to make the Yankees have to play the one-game play-in on the road instead of at home. Ooh. Yeah. Real, real big deal. It's exciting. I get chills when I think about it. Yeah. You know what else I get chills when I think about? What's that? I get chills thinking about you being manipulative. Ooh, I bet you do. Let's go over to Fantasy Boss. So far, so good, in my opinion, Fantasy Boss. <laughs> I went double or nothing last week with you, Jake, betting that both Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope would hit more home runs than Chris Davis for the rest of the season. And as it currently stands, both of my players have one home run. And Chris Davis, well, he's kept it in the yard all week long. Well, I tell you what, Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope have me to thank for their development as young hitters because if I had picked either one of them, they would be on the schneid and everybody else on the team would be hitting the, hitting the dong. So this is all me trying to help those guys out. It's all about the franchise. It's really all is. about the franchise. Really so is. folks, tune in next week to Fantasy Boss to find out where this stands. And if you're going to go and root for some Orioles, root for the foundation is what Jake's trying to tell you. <laughs> I, think next, I think next year we need to put some real stakes on Fantasy Boss. I, I haven't it's like quite, porterhouses? I haven't quite put it all together yet, but I think we should do something interesting for next season. Oh, like a dare bet? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm thinking some I'm thinking some uh some ramifications okay. of winning or losing fantasy balls. Of course, uh, if I introduce these uh these penalties, you know that I will be the one. Of course <laughs> you will. Well, there could be good results with that, there could be bad results with that, but most likely there would be ugly results with that bet. I look great in a skirt. There's no better chance to go over the good, the bad, and the ugly than right now. That's right. It is time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. This is when we uh, we cover, well, who had a good week in Orioles baseball, who had a bad week, and who embarrasses us as Orioles fans. I'm going to go ahead and start it off. We do this every week so that Scott can rant at the end because the quality of his rants far exceed those of my own. Uh, my good this week has to go to Darren O'Day. Three consecutive saves in Britain's absence. He's making himself some money 
for this uh, upcoming offseason. And I, I have to say that we talk a lot about the other free agents on this team and not enough about Darren O'Day. Darren O'Day has been so much fun to watch in an Orioles uniform. And I feel like this last week has been, if it's goodbye, a very fond farewell. Yeah. It's been really nice watching him just come in and dominate. Very consistent all the time throughout his entire career here with the Orioles. Hopefully he will be back. Yeah. Great but, great guy, too. Good personality. Right. Um, my good for the week is going to be not being the Washington Nationals. From not being swept by the Baltimore Orioles... Um, but also not having the incidents, of course, with Jonathan Papelbon and Bryce Harper. That is a nuclear wasteland. And to that, Josh Fimber, I say, I'm sorry. I, I feel like the Nationals have a chokehold on being the worst situation in baseball right now. Definitely. There's no question about it. Uh, the Washington Nationals, whew, I'm glad we're not them. All right, what's your bad for this week, Jake? My bad uh, is Chaz Rowe. Okay. And he didn't really pitch much this week. He had just a third of an inning. And you say, you may be saying, that's really obscure. Why are you doing this? He's bad for this reason. He coughed up runs in his only appearance. But the reason it's bad is because it would have been really nice for Chaz Rowe in this portion of the season to prove himself to be a, an option, a reliable option in the bullpen, to cement himself into consideration next year for the bullpen because there was a time where he was on fire. It was. He was one of the most effective guys in the pen in baseball for like two weeks. Yep. If we had been able to see just flashes of that, I think it would have been a really interesting conversation for the offseason. But instead, I think it's very clear where Chaz Rowe is going. Yep, right where his mother went, in the garbage can. All right, my bad for the week is going to go to Kevin Gossman, who posted a loss in his most recent outing, uh, five innings pitch. But my biggest concern is going to go to Kevin Gossman's walk rate in the second half of the season has been really poor. He's had poor command, and that poor command has also been not so much interest turners walks, but also fastball command right in the zone and allowing players basically to hit, you know, dongs or extra base hits off him. Kevin Gossman's going to need to learn how to control himself in the strike zone and get that fastball command. If he doesn't get that fastball command back, he's no way going to be a number one or number two starter. In fact, he might not even be a number four starter if he can't get that fastball command down. Kevin Gossman's bad and it's not a good look going into the offseason. One of the things that you and I talked about at nauseum is uh, that you can get away with making mistakes in the minors. Yep. And it's something that Kevin Gosman has probably been doing a lot since he's been up and down and up, up and, and down, down and up yep. and down. It's time for him to learn to get away without making those mistakes. Yep. All right. Uh, for me, ugly. Let's, let's go ahead and do it. For me, it's clear. The offense. Yep. Seriously, zero runs in the Red Sox series against... Nobody's. I understand that Rich Hill has resurrected himself as a pitcher and had three consecutive good starts, including that one. So, I, look, I get it. I don't get Zero that. Zero. That makes no sense. Runs. Seriously, guys, screw you. For the, for a, a time to mess the bed, this was not it. Manny Machado led the regulars, the guys that got the regular at bats, and his average was two thirty eight. And I know that batting average is stupid, but it, it proves the point. Yeah. Two thirty eight on the week. Yeah. Not good. Ugly. Ugly. Worst part about that Red Sox series, too, is it allowed the Red Sox to come out of the basement of the American League East and teeter the Orioles on that final last spot in the American League East. Again, moral victory, but again, you don't want to be finishing in the very bottom of the division. Well, and I think it's clearly just another sign that had the Orioles re-signed uh, Nelson Cruz, they wouldn't have lost those games uh, eight and seven to nothing. Yeah. All right. My ugly for the week has to go to Orioles fans that after the Ravens game started to put dates up of how many days it was to opening day. 
as much as we like to get on Ravens fans for saying, up, oh, it's X amount of days until training camp, or up, oh, I can't wait until July or August so training camp starts up, or this isn't any days, you cannot do the same thing right back to them. It's childish. It's inconvenient. You need to stick with your team, just like Orioles fans have stuck with their team for so many years. The fact that you're blowing up after having your team only go 0-3 for the first time ever in your franchise, ever, in 20 years, is absolutely ridiculous. Orioles slash Raven fans, grow up, learn to be a loser, because eh, it's Baltimore sports. I feel like the Ravens have a saying for this. They say it just before every game when you're at the at the stadium. Don't be a jerk. Oh, I thought it was make your wife apologize in front of the media. <sighs> That's number two for you on <laughs> references to Ray Rice. You're on Fuego. No, it's a great one. That's a really good one. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, blowing the save. I'm actually going to take this one this week. We have a guest appearance in Blowing the Save this week. Um, this is uh, in response to, I believe, something you said on a recent podcast. Uh, Carrie Magnus, wife of myself, and also uh, one of the co-hosts of The Baseball Widows, uh, decided to pop in this week and blow the save. Oh, no. The boys discussed things they feel the Orioles are doing well this season. One of the things Jake felt the Orioles are doing really well is their promotions and giveaways. I have to respectfully disagree. While the Orioles have become a stronger team, I feel like their giveaways and promotions have become much more exclusionary. While the quality of the giveaways has increased, long gone are the days of jerseys and bobbleheads, it is much more difficult for the every fan to benefit from these giveaways. When we as fans buy tickets to a game, we're spending our hard-earned money. We're giving up our time, albeit willingly, to be at the stadium. What the Orioles are now asking of us is to give up more time and perhaps more money. We might have to take time off of work, pay a babysitter for an extra hour, pay for parking a little bit longer. All of that adds up just to stand in line to receive a hoodie some cool socks, or a knit cap. I understand the point of these promotions is to sell more tickets, but it feels like the Orioles are involved in some sort of bait-and-switch intended to dupe the fans into buying tickets for a game under the premise that they're going to receive a giveaway. And when they show up at the gates, the giveaways have long been given away. I feel like there has to be a better way for the Orioles to acknowledge their fans. This week is Fan Appreciation Week, and I hope that the fans who attend the games do feel appreciated and do feel like the Orioles are recognizing them, not just for showing up early, but for being loyal fans through a long season. All right, Jake. What do you think? I I think maybe Carrie Magnus needs to be the co-host of Bird's Eye View, and I need to get the heck out of the picture. Uh, That is a a very uh, interesting and enlightened uh, point. Probably more nuanced than my original point, which I am having a hard time remembering. I think you just stood out of the coffee saying you wanted to give a a credit to the Orioles because they were playing so poorly. So you just kind of said, hey, I'll give the Orioles a token because normally I'm always criticizing. But the fact of the matter remains, with orange carpet plans out there and with potential for season ticket plans to dwindle this offseason and with the potential for maybe games to increase going back to that 20 to 40 game plan Mm -hmm. perhaps the Orioles should be given consideration to including the promotions package as a guarantee to season ticket holders or maybe they just need to pony up and give them away to all fans well 
let's not get carried away because we can't go out and sign free agents if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good point. I, I, I like, first of all, I like the point. Second of all, I really like the concept of a guest blowing the save. Can, I mean, is that something that we can invite people to do? I believe we can invite people to do this in the future. So, folks, if you're out there and you're listening, give us a contact at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. There's a lot of ways you can do that. You can record it uh, quickly on your on your smartphone, yep. and email it to us. us. Or you can call our phone number, which is on our website, at our contact page, and you can leave a voicemail for us. And, heck, we'll take that voicemail and play it on the air as they're blowing the save. This is your inclination to tell us what we are doing wrong. Or or the Orioles or what they're doing well, but if you or if, what we are doing wrong. But I, I have to warn you that if you say the Orioles are doing something well, Carrie Magnus will argue with you, and she will be right. Right. Or if you say Showalter should be fired, we will ridicule you. <laughs> and with that, I think it's time we finally actually close out this show. Yeah. Uh, here's here's to a last look at baseball in 2015. I hate the last week of the season when there's nothing to look forward to because I know it's such a long way until we see more games. Baltimore Beyond, I got nothing else for you. I bid you a fond adieu-adieu. Baltimore, good night out there. Try to calm down. Enjoy the baseball. Say goodbye to Chris Davis. Say goodbye to Matt Wieters. Just don't say goodbye to Buck Walter. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and let's go O's. I can't believe my wife called you out. I can. Me too. It's over. Go home. Go.